And welcome back to another episode of In the Sheds on Code with Kingy, where for this show I sit down with a member of the Wellington Lions and Chiefs in Naitoa Akoi, where we discuss his rise to the ranks, his disappointment and redirection after not achieving one of his goals, and the role that his family played when going through last year's Super Rugby Aotearoa season. So for all of that and much more, please do keep listening, and as always, enjoy. Well, tēnā koe naitoa, and thank you very much for taking the opportunity. Yeah, very grateful to get uh, guys like yourself on the show and have a little bit of your time, because I know um, how scarce it is, you know, having to balance footy and family life, so yeah, big ups to you. No, I appreciate it, bro. Happy to be here and have a little quarter with you. Like we were mentioning just before, bro, like you've you've been through pre-season and you're finally here. It's, well, it's week two, but week one for you boys, and you're lucky enough to get a start on Friday night. So, I mean, like, what's it been like for you personally having to go through all of that and then maybe even, like, sitting out week one and, like, having footy back now? Like, are you a guy that just fizzes and, like, just is fully into it or has it been quite nice sort of having a break from it and then only getting into it now? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I was saying before, like, the bye week personally was um, good for me. I just, I didn't have much of a break leaving, um the minor 10 season so having that little mental break and physical break give my body just a, a little breather um post um post preseason has been good for us and me personally so it was good um getting out of the game and also watching a bit of footy and um it's really exciting seeing the um the caliber of teams we've got going on and um again everyone knows that the super rugby Aotearoa teams are um are tough and the competition is tough so having that first week off just to have a look and see what everyone's up to is, um, has been good. Now do you feel like you almost get like a one-up on the competition like seeing the way that it's all the four teams have played and even how the referees were interpreting the offside line and stuff like that like was that part of like your Monday review and, and leading into this Friday's game like seeing what unfolded over the course of the, the season opener and then the game on Saturday night? Yeah um, I mean in the bye week, we um, made a plan to um, attack plan and um, defensive plan to play the Highlanders. And um, after watching their preseason, oh sorry, their actual game, we kind of um, kept to the stuff that we had planned before even seeing them play. So um, yeah, I guess when I don't know if it's a one up or anything, but it's definitely helpful just to watch them play and, like you're saying, the referees' interpretation of things and how they're perceiving things. But I mean. Our coaches have done a lot of homework prior to um, round one, so we kind of knew a little bit about the Highlanders and we knew a little bit about the coach, um, the riffing style. So, yeah, I don't know too much about it, but <laughs> it's been good, I guess. Well, I guess we'll just have to see how everything cracks on on Friday night, bro. But why don't we take it back to D dot for you? So, how did you even like get into playing footy, and where did you grow up? Um, I'm from Wellington, bro. So, grew up in Kilburnie, um, Wellington. Mary St. Pat's my club. I've been there since, um, gosh, I think I was about four or five when I started playing footy there. So, yeah, played footy there up, up until um, under-13s. And then I left and went to Wellington High School. Um, a lot of, a lot of people don't actually know that, but I went to Wellington High School my first year. But I played for Wellington College um, and got got a transfer at under-15s there. And then 
after that moved to London College and played um, Fisher Dean there for four years so wanted some boy through and through and yeah so how does a, a boy that's aligned with the Maris Club end up at Wellington High and then Wellington College surely like you go to St. Pat's Town or even like a St. Pat's Stream what was the thinking there was it more a parental thing like them wanting to push for I don't know Wellington High because of the stuff that you were interested in like education wise or uh that's funny yeah I my my oldest brother he went to Wellington College and then um my consecutive older brother he went to Wellington College but my parents actually handed the form in late in year nine so I actually I wasn't allowed into Wellington College so they were just like oh I I don't know what to do with this guy so they just sent me to Wellington High for one year and then made sure that I was um actually enrolled to Wellington College so yeah, I didn't choose to go into Wellington High. My parents um, didn't choose it either. They just stuffed it all up. But um, I really enjoyed my time there. I, I actually loved Wellington High. And, and actually, once um, I finished year nine there, I wasn't. I didn't want to leave. So it was a great school. But um, in hindsight, it was definitely a good decision for me to move to Wellington College, especially for my foot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Wellington High aren't uh, traditionally known for their, for their rugby strengths in comparison to something like a Coles. So... You played four years of first 15 at Wellington College, so you would have been a year 10 when you got your first opportunity to play with the big boys. Is that something that was daunting for you at the time, or did you always play upper grade? I don't know if I played upper grade, but I definitely wasn't the smallest year 10, so um, when opportunity came, um, it was cool. I wasn't really, I didn't think too much of it, but I mean, my mindset back then was just to, to compete in um, it hasn't really changed since since then so the boys that we had there were really good and really helpful um, in my year 10 year and ever since that year 10 year my confidence just grew and from um, year 11 onwards I, I just felt that I was a senior player even though I was only 14 or 15 at the time so yeah I mean to say I was scared probably um, as, as many guys are if you're playing up a grade but um the opportunity to, to compete and play in traditionals was was awesome and I mean that was one of the best like best times of footy that I've ever had mm, yeah a lot of people say that hey like the the schoolboy game uh, I mean like anything like when when you leave school there's the pressure especially like when you go into these academies or you're playing mitre 10 or super you know there's obviously an added pressure because there's an expectation and you know you're almost getting paid to do it whereas like at school like you're literally just playing with your brothers and you're representing, um, I guess, an establishment that you know, like you're really proud of because you chose to go there. Yeah, bro, hundred percent. There's so much pride in it, and I mean, you when you come out of school and you're playing for professionally, then um, you're playing for a business, and and it is what it is. It's just business. But um, when you're playing for school, it's just for the love of it, really. And man, that's some of the best footy um, I, I'm. I've played and I've missed it a lot and a lot of the boys that I was playing with and there's just a deep connection to to your school and um, the passion you have towards it so definitely one of the funnest um, footy you know I've ever had to to be a part of and a lot of the games I played I've, I've just been memories forever so yeah yeah bro I can definitely total with that now with me being a stream boy bro um, I, I mean, I mean I'll, I'll get to your success as part of the first 15 at Wellington College, even though I don't really want to talk about it. But before we get to that, man, like, 
I know rugby is obviously a huge part of your life and you're very good at it. Um, but were there any other sports, you know, like even prior to Wellington High and Wellington College that you were interested in and that maybe sort of led to you becoming a more effective footy player? Um, yeah, I, I played um, a lot of sports growing up, but um, I played water polo um, growing up from, gosh, from when I was about year three onwards till about year I'd say year 11 um, I went I played for New Zealand under 14 or 16 and I was I actually missed the um, year 10 or the first 15 in year 10 we played you guys um, and you guys beat us in the semi-final but I wasn't there I was, I was playing World Cup in Hawaii so that was definitely um, something that I was looking into back back then um, and at the same time I was also playing for um, uh, New Zealand AFL team so I was playing schoolboy footy for New Zealand and that was definitely something that I was considering and there were a few teams that were knocking on my door but um, ultimately it was rugby for me but uh, yeah there was definitely a, a few different sports that I was playing in, in college that I was um, competing at a high level at. Interesting so you were one of those locks at training that was like now nah, let me do the kicks for touch you know you backs can take a, take a seat bro were you one of those ones? No gosh um that was actually Tane Plumtree. He, he, if you know him, he, he can actually put a few good nudges in. But now I just left it for them, bro. <laughs> oh, if I, I, I swear you're playing at humble right now, given you played at, um, AFL for New Zealand, bro, at an age grade side. But yeah, we'll roll into uh, your time in the first of team, bro, and, and we'll make it quick depending on how successful you were. So, four years, like how many championships did you come away with um, across that time? Just the one, bro, only one. Only one. How many finals though? Did you make the finals like every single year? No, we only made no, we only made two finals. My in my year ten year, like I said, we lost to you guys in the semi, and in my eleven year, um, we lost to Scots, and Scots was unreal that year. They had X, um, Alex Fido, the twins, Marlowe Tama, TJ Vav, man, they had a stack squad. Um, and then year my year eleven year, no, my year twelve year, sorry, we. We won against St. Pat's Town in the final. And then my year 13 year, we lost the stream in the final. So, I mean, in terms of track record, it's not it's not as good as um, a lot of other guys who go to Wellington College um, have. But I'll take one championship, bro. <laughs> yeah, hard to argue with, with, um, with one chip instead of none, bro. But even in that year 13, bro, uh, you probably didn't go out the way you would have liked to. But you end up making New Zealand schools that year. Um, so for you, was that sort of the start of you thinking that you, you're going to make a career out of rugby or did you sort of like envisioned yourself doing that um, at a younger age? Um, not, not to say that, you know, like you're putting all your eggs on in basket, but it was more so like, hey, if I put my head down and work hard, I can really make something of this. Yeah, I definitely was confident in my abilities a long time ago. Um, like when I was, gosh, five or six, I guess, um, and especially when I came to went to college and made the first 15 year 10 I knew that I had you know I was seriously um, good at footy at that at time for my age grade so yeah I mean when I made New Zealand secondary schools um, it was kind of it was a goal to make but when I made it I wasn't you know too surprised just because I had so much confidence in my abilities confidence in my abilities sorry but um I did, I guess I did kind of put um, all my eggs in one basket and 
to say that's a bad thing, I'm not sure, just because of where I am now, but, um, yeah, I guess from, from a young age, I, I kind of knew or envisioned myself, as you're saying, that I was going to be where I am today. Uh, maybe not in the Chiefs jersey, but definitely in, in Super Rugby. <laughs> that's cool, bro. It's, um, it's actually quite refreshing to hear someone speak with a lot of confidence, because I know that um, a lot of boys like to play it down, but I guess like for a lot of guys like yourself, you almost have to believe you are before you even become it. Um, and that's really the difference in the end, you know, just that, that mental aspect, because some guys have all the talent in the world, but they don't come to realise it when they're sort of presented with opportunities and actually like fully believe that they're deserving of it. So, no, yeah, bro, I, I appreciate you being so transparent with that. Um, and having done a bit of reading, I, like, I see that you, again, like you make New Zealand schools your last year of school, and obviously you, you would have had a multitude of opportunities, um, but you sign with the Wellington Academy. But you also go through a hip surgery um, after your New Zealand schools campaign. So, I mean, what was the reasoning for that? Was it, Did you pick up an injury your last year of school and just, you know, put it on the back burner because you wanted to play some rep footy? And then how hard was it actually coming back from a surgery like that? Because, you know, you typically don't get young guys getting surgeries on their hips. Yeah, um, that, I think they picked up that injury in year 11. Well, it was, it's, uh, it was hereditary, so I'd, I'd always had it, but the pain only, I think, came... Um, we found out about the pain in year 11 and I just kept on playing on it till my last year of school and we made a call and at the start of my um, year 13 year um, to have it at the end of surgery or at the end of the season so that I could make the New Zealand secondary schools and play it but um, yeah I stayed back in Wellington after I left school and had surgery after the New Zealand secondary schools comp and yeah it was it was, it was pretty tough to be honest Um I was out for six months, and yeah, like it's a tough time doing um, rehab, especially when in the mornings, like in as part of the academy, just because you're training so early in the morning. The training is so um, so tough, and a lot of the time you're by yourself, or, or it's just you and the trainer, and everyone else is doing fun stuff like gymming or they're running. But you'd be either doing your own sort of straight line running or just sitting on a bike um, in the corner. So it was a tough time and definitely something I look back and I'm proud of um, the way I held myself in, in in that time and how I came out of it. So, yeah, it's, I mean, even when I look look at people now who are in doing having injuries and, and they're doing modified training and different training, I just, man, it's, it's a tough time, especially in the professional environment, just because of how fun... Super rugby is and and the fans that are around, but a lot of the time if you're injured, you're not you're not going to be around it. So, yeah, it was a tough time, but I had good support and and I knew what what I wanted to be and um in that time, and I knew that if I kept on working, that it, there was a light at the end of the tunnel, and I'd be where I am today. I guess so. Yeah. Do you feel like in a way, although it's never nice to go through that process, that you actually went through it so early on in your career? Because I know that. For a lot of guys, you know, that are as talented as you are, that sort of go through the grades and they're sort of like riding that wave and then they get a super contract and then, bang, they get hit with an injury that, you know, they've never sort of been through before where they've had such an extended period on the sidelines and, you know, they can take a real hit mentally. So for you now, like having gone through what you've gone through, do you feel like you would be able to handle anything that gets thrown at you, you know, within reason? Um. Gosh, I I think about that all the time, and even when I was when I was 
had surgery I was I, it was in the back um, of my mind I didn't want to be someone who you know you, there's always guys that you listen you hear about um, they were playing in college they were unreal and then you, they leave college and fall off the face of the earth or they, they you see them and they're saying the people you know you'd see someone playing club and they said oh he, he could have made it but he got injured and this and this and that so that was definitely in the back of my mind when I had surgery but um yeah, to be honest, bro, if I had another long-term injury, like, it would be pretty tough, like, and it, it's just the the stuff you go through and the stuff you have to do to get back on the field is, is definitely a lot tougher than um, when you're um, injury-free, so, I mean, I can say now that if I got injured, I'd know, I'd, know I'd be mentally alright and bounce back, but to be honest, you, I only know, you'd only know when you get there and or when, if it happens to you or when it happens to you. So I guess I can't really answer your question, but to be honest. Yeah. No, no, no. No, I appreciate that answer, bro. All right. So, yeah, I guess like anything, you you don't really know how you're going to react up until you get to that yeah. point. But, yeah, I'm I'm just interested because I've talked to um a few different guys about, you know, some of the stuff that they've gone through and they feel like they're a better person. They may not have enjoyed it and, you know, their bodies may not be better for it, but they definitely think, you know, mentally for them having – gotten over that hurdle that they feel like you know with whatever's thrown at them um they feel like they'll be better off them than what they were prior to that injury but um so you mentioned the fact you're off for six months um so you would have been away from footy I mean you would have been you know doing your rehab and whatever but you know did you do anything else with your spare time you know during that period like did you pick up you know any papers at university did you start a trade or some sort of line of work uh, I, I, what did I do I worked at a shoe store. I worked at Platypus. Platypus shoe store? If you know about it. Yeah, I worked there for a bit, just selling shoes. But like I was telling you, bro, I I had my mind on footy and I had a goal on f- to, to be where I am today back then. So, I mean, I put everything on the back burner to make sure that um, I could focus on my body and get it right for when I was leaving, um, coming out of that um, injury. So... Yeah, I worked part time at a shoe store, which was fun. I really enjoyed it, but um, yeah, my mind was kind of on footy, you know, and on 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 the bigger goals. So yeah, and I mean, gosh, like uh, I know that's. I mean, yeah, it's. I don't know if you, if, you know a lot of guys. Even my parents would tell me like you always have a plan B, um, and I'm and I'm working on it now. But at that point in time. I felt like if you had a, if you were thinking of a plan B, then you already had doubt in your mind about mm. it, if you know what I mean. So when I left, was leaving college or even in college, I had my mind on footy because I knew that that was where I wanted to be and that's where I could be. And I didn't want to think of anything else but that until I got, you know, into that environment. Yeah, bro, you you raise a really interesting point. Eh? Uh, no, that, that is just really funny the the way that you phrased that, and and it's true. Like I'm gonna make a, a special shout out here to to my mate Dominic Rowe, who's a he's a boxer, and it's funny. Like we always had this discussion like with him, and because he was so full on with boxing, and he'd always you know that was his dream to crack it and to go to the Olympics, and you know everyone always would sort of pester him, being like, hey bro, you know like you know your boxing's awesome and all that, but. You know, you've got to have a plan B. And the way that he would talk about it to me is exactly like how you've just talked about it. It's like, well, if I have a plan B, then I'm already, you know, like I already have one foot out the door. Whereas if I invest myself fully into this, and and even if it doesn't come to fruition, you know, at least that way I can say I gave it my all, like literally my all. 100%, bro. Yeah. 
So, yeah, no, no. All into it, eh? <laughs> well, well, look at where you are now, bro. It, it, it's all paid off. So you come off the back of that rehab and then, like, was it straight into club footy and then did you roll into the under-19s? Yeah, I, I did uh, straight into the Maris St. Pat's Prem side, played club footy there, and then, yeah, what did I, I did the under-19s, yeah, bro. I did under-19s and then after that I did a few weeks with the Lions, which was pretty good, which was pretty fun, I guess. Yeah, hundred percent. It would have been yeah a very interesting experience. I guess going from schoolboy stuff, having a little bit of club, a little bit of rep rugby, but then straight in with the big boys. And so, I know you didn't make your debut till the following year. So, did you manage to pick up like an ITC contract for that preseason with the Canes at all? Yeah, I did the yeah. So I played. I did the the back end of the line season. That was just as like an apprentice to see what it was like in the professional environment. And then yeah, I I did a, the. Um, picked up an ITC contract and did the preseason with the Canes leading up to the 20s campaign. And how was that for you? Like, obviously, just talking about, you know, you, you were so focused on becoming a, on a rugby player because that's what you love and that's what your passion is. Did you embrace being in that environment? Because, again, you know, talking to some guys, you know, when they first get thrown into a space where they're rubbing shoulders with guys, you know, that they've idolised and they've seen play on TV week in, week out. You know, they found it quite sort of daunting to try and even, like, rub shoulders with them or, like, try and, you know, like, actually hit them as hard as they could in training because they don't want to step on toes. So, like, for you, you know, like, gathering what I've just heard, like, did you just go rip shit and bust into that opportunity? Nah, bro, I was the same, mate. I was, I was so starstruck. And I'm, I was, I'm so bad at it, bro. Like, when I see people that I've, watched on TV or idolised I just go like holy hecka and I was just in my shell for most of it and I was just so shy and and I didn't know what to say to people I, I didn't know how to act I didn't want to be myself I just wanted to kind of just blend in and um, tick the boxes so whoever was saying that bro was like I was on the same ship bro Bro, that's, that's the cool thing about like interviewing guys like yourself. It's so cool to hear that you guys literally are no different. Um, well, some of you guys aren't any different to, you know, your battler like me, bro. Like, because I guess for us, you know, we look at you guys that, you know, when you're in that environment and, and if you are that talented, you, you almost feel like you're a different breed in a lot of ways. But at the end of the day, bro, like Dan Carter's still Dan Carter, Bowden Barrett's still Bowden Barrett. So, yeah, and I guess it takes a bit of time to actually like, feel like you're a you know a teammate of theirs rather than someone that's just I guess I don't know happy to be there for the ride so okay you you cover off that preseason um you get into that and then rolling into the second year now I know for a lot of you boys that again like yourself who have expectations or of themselves to put themselves in a position to play for higher honors so Second year, you got the New Zealand under twenties, and then even that with guys that are part of the academy, there's almost this expectation that they crack on to make a mighty ten cup side. So, were those personal goals for you, bro? And like, how did that year play out? Like, did you end up cracking the twenty side? And then I know you made the Lions, but you know what sort of work went into that year? Um, yeah, I um, I made the Oceania team for the twenties, and then I got injured in the first game against Fiji, and then got sent home. And then I didn't make the World Cup team. Um, so, yeah, I just played um, club footy and then picked up a Lions contract. But I can't, oh, I actually had already signed a Lions contract, but I made the team. Um, they signed me to actually be in the team. And, yeah, the, the Lions was a goal of mine, especially not making the under-20 side. Um, 
I knew that I knew that I wasn't um, just a club footy player and I just had so much confidence in myself that um, I was someone that could play it at the uh, Martin Cup level so when I got picked in the team I was yeah happy and it was definitely a goal of mine um, and I knew that that was the first foot in the door to um, take me to Super Rugby I guess mm, Now you mentioned the fact that you miss out on that World Cup squad you know albeit through you know not really getting an opportunity to stamp your mark um, having been um, sidelined with injuries so I mean, you mentioned the fact you'd already signed with the Lions, but did you take much motivation out of that whole experience of not being on that plane over to Argentina like you would have, again, envisioned yourself doing with someone having so much confidence in themselves? And is that like a, was that sort of a catalyst for the season that you had with the Lions? Was it almost like redemption for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, God, I fell in, like, during that, ITC time I, I kind of fell out of rugby or fell out of the love of rugby just because um, I was working so hard in that preseason and, and things weren't coming my way or things or my body wasn't my body composition wasn't changing or my fitness wasn't changing and I was just burning out and I only learnt what burning you know burning out was in the, later in my life I mean at that point in time I just thought if you wake up at 5am and train till 9pm and do the same thing over and over again that that's actually not good for your body, you know. And I was doing that prior to the ITC contract that I had. And then when I was doing the ITC contract, I just body was so gone as that I was like not getting much shift in my body, um, all my fitness. So I kind of fell out of love um, for the game. And then when I left to the Oceania, um, comp with the twenties, I kind of I found love again for the game. And I think when I didn't make the team, they they kind of based it on character issues and they were saying stuff about me saying he doesn't care too much about the game or doesn't care blah 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 or whatever the stuff they were saying because um, I knew based on my abilities that I would, would be able to um, make that team but they had different plans for me and um, when that happened I kind of just said well I know that I'm going to be in a super rugby team and this is just um, a change in my pathway and I know that when it's all said and done my story is going to be different than others and I envisioned my story to be that I play for 20s, play for the Lions, play for Super Rugby team. But when that um, 20s gig didn't happen for me, I just said, oh, well, that's, um, that is what it is. And um, my story is going to be um, a little bit different. So to say that that was making the Lions team was a revenge on um, the coaches, um, not really. It was just like all good. My legacy is going to be... Um, a bit different really mm-hmm. yeah bro I, I don't mean to like put words in your mouth or anything but yeah I know that for, for different guys when they when they miss out on opportunities um, I mean it's like anything like when you get looked over or overlooked you know there's almost like this feeling okay like I, you know I need, it's not so much you want to prove them wrong but I want to prove myself right and and you did, bro. And like, I mean, to be for to be fair, I mean, you guys had a had a bloody hissing season that year, and unfortunately went down to um, a pretty strong Tasman side who were playing at home, uh, where they were pretty hard to beat. So like, of all that learning that you took from that season, you know, outside of obviously having to take that finals loss, how much of that experience has played a part into shaping you know the player you are today? Like, did you was that like would you pinpoint that prior to your Chief Super Rugby experience? as like I guess a coming of age for you as a player you know just even like confidence wise um yeah I guess so I mean like 
I guess I'm, um, I might be different, but I've always been, like I was saying, I've always been confident in my ability. So um, when I made the line squad, I felt like I should be here. You know, I wasn't like a, I wasn't like surprised that I'd made the line squad. And when I was playing, I was kind of like, well, I should be playing because it, I, I believe in myself. So when I was making those teams, it was when I was making the Lions team and playing that footy, it kind of it wasn't it wasn't really something that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so new to me. It was something like it was like, yeah, I need I should be here. This is where I'm supposed to be at this moment in time. So, I mean, I don't yeah I don't know. It wasn't really a big um, I don't know yeah yeah. No, 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 no. It was, I don't, did I answer your question? I don't really know. No, no, it did, bro. Again, I guess the thing that I'm ultimately having to take away from this is that you're a guy that has just a lot of belief in himself. But I guess even from a, from a learning perspective, bro, like, did you take much away from that campaign? Like, I mean, under like Chris Gibbs? Yeah, for sure. His, his coaching style is a bit different to the coaching styles we have up at Chiefs, but, um, I learned a lot, eh? and the players that are there, man, they're so helpful, and they give me a lot of gems there. Um, it was quite cool when we played the Hurricanes a few times, and I was doing, like, I, I remember talking to Viper Fido after one of the games, and he was saying he was cracking up because I was doing stuff that he taught me to do. So, yeah, it was, they, they, I had, uh, my game grew a lot, and my confidence grew even more, and um, there was parts of my games where I definitely need to work on, and they, and I got a lot of work in that during that Lions campaign. So, yeah, definitely a lot of learnings and definitely something that, that, that built my confidence into um, last season. Understandably. All right, so off the back of that, you guys, again, sorry to reiterate, you lose the final, but you string together a very successful season, um, all in all, and you yourself obviously performed very well that you earned yourself a contract with the Chiefs. So how far into that Mitre 10 season did you actually know that you were going to be a Super Rugby player or did it only come post that season? Um, well, there was talks about me um, signing with the Canes, but that fell through and I didn't make the 20s. Um, and it was only until the back end of the Mitre 10 season where um, the Chiefs came knocking on my door and gave me this opportunity. So, yeah, it was a bit late in the piece, but, um, yeah, at that time I was... I was, I believe that I should have had, a, had should have had, a my a Super Rugby contract. So when that contract came, I, like I said, like I've been saying, like I I was, I knew it was coming. I just was waiting on, when, I guess. Yeah. No. So. Yeah. I mean, when when, it, sorry, like yeah, when like when the contract came, I, um, I knew it was coming, but um, I'm not as in like I in my mind, I felt that, after that. 2019 Mighty 10 Cup season in 2020 I was going to be playing Super Rugby yeah again I'm like I guess for me like um, when I sort of form these questions you know a lot of guys it's almost a sense of relief or you know they're almost um, even if they had strung together like a, a very successful season it's almost like a surprise to them when this opportunity comes but again for you who's sort of someone who's envisaged this and manifested this along with you know putting in all the hard work um, I guess it probably didn't you know come as quite a shock to you or you know wasn't such a, an overwhelming feeling but even for like someone like your family bro so like was it like a massive deal for you like who was the first person that you rung did you ring dad did you ring mum? and like then how did they react or are they quite similar to you and then that 
they are confident in your abilities because they see all the hard work you put in behind the scenes that it was almost like, okay, yep, you've ticked that box and now it's just time to keep going. Yeah, oh, I told my partner first just because we, we had just found out she was pregnant. So we were kind of stressing a little bit about it because we didn't have a, I didn't have a job, you know, in the next year because the Super Rugby contract hadn't come. So when it came, I told her um, she was stoked. And then I can't really remember telling my, my family, to be honest. Um, uh, yeah, I think the way that I talk to them about my footy and the way they see me, um, they know that I'm confident in my beliefs. So um, they were really proud um, of me. But I guess they could have been the same where they kind of knew it was coming based off how I was playing and based off the way that I was talking about um, my game and my confidence towards where I thought I was going to be. So, yeah, I actually can't remember what I, who, like, if, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I can't remember. I had envisioned it for so long that it was just like, when it happened, it was like, yeah, it was supposed to happen. Yeah, bro, I, I, again, I, I keep cutting you off, bro, and apologies to everybody listening, bro. Like, I'm not meaning to try and cut the guy off, but again, like, you know, like, like, I, like I mentioned earlier, man, like, this is just really refreshing, like, for someone that is actually just so, so confident in themselves and actually, like, has invested all this time to, to being what they want to be and having it come through, you know, like, for me, like, I, like, it's awesome, bro. I wish I had the same confidence in myself with my stuff, and it's something that I'm working towards personally, so... Yeah, no, big ups to you and the way you carried out, my man. Um, and, and even like what you were saying before, like the fact that you think that you, you know, it's weird for you, like not making such a big deal of achieving, you know, the, this, you know, this monumentous goal, like whether you like to see it that way or not, you know, for a lot of people, you know, playing Super Rugby is a big deal. Only a small percentage of the rugby players in New Zealand get an opportunity to do that. But yeah, like I guess just to end this spiel or wrap it up, it's just you know this is the the cool thing I get out of you know like interviewing guys like yourself is that you know everybody's different, and everybody's had a different journey, and yeah that's yeah that's that's why I like talking to you guys because you know for the most part people have this expectation that you all fall into one category, but it, it really isn't that way, bro. Like you guys are just different humans on the field, off the field, and even you know leading up to where you're standing right now. But, you know, okay, you roll into 2020, you've got your Super Rugby contract, you get the um, pre-season under your belt, which everybody loves. Everybody loves doing that running and whatever. Um, but then, you know, like 2020 itself is an up and down year in a lot of different ways. But, you know, from a footy perspective, um, I think that no team probably went through so many ups and downs um, as the Chiefs did. Now, you guys started with a hiss and a roar. I mean, you guys knock off the Crusaders, you guys thrash the Waratahs over in Sydney, and you look like you're riding high. But then COVID comes, and unfortunately, you lose to the Canes on the buzzer at home. And then from there, you know, things seem to take a bit of a turn for the worse, and everything seems to snowball. So if you don't mind me prying, bro, like for someone who was in that circle, you know, from the start where you guys are sort of trending upwards, and then, yeah, like I mentioned, things sort of, went kaput you know like what would you put that down to now I don't need you to finger point or whatever but was there anything that changed um yeah I mean because there were a lot of games like to say that we were getting the hiding every day like every week was, was a lie you know like games we were um playing we were playing you know they were nail biters and um even the first game we played against the Landers bloody Bryn Gatlin was he he um had a drop kick to, you know, to take the lead on the 79th minute or whatever it was, you know. It wasn't like a 34-12 game where we were just getting pumped, you know. So we were doing a lot of good things, but um, 
I guess we just weren't clinical and weren't finishing and I think maybe we had a lot of confidence in the super rugby the normal super rugby before pre-COVID and maybe we maybe we got too confident um, coming into the season but I mean me personally like the, the lockdown um, I just stopped thinking about rugby I had my kids um, during level four and um, at that point in time they didn't even know if we were playing footy that year so I mean I once I had my kids I just took rugby you know um, a back step in rugby and I just was a stay at home dad and, and I, I loved it and like unfortunately my body took a pro- like a took a toll and I came back unfit and maybe that's how a lot of us came back and we just um, weren't able to get back into our um, I guess winning form based off how we came back how some of us maybe came back um, after lockdown so yeah like we, we, were, we were confident every week that we would get um, get a win and um, everyone was confident in our abilities um, within the team sorry and yeah things didn't go our way and gosh I, I don't even I can't remember too much about the games just because when I play footy I like everything's a blur so um, I just know that the games were close and they could have been one other way so mm. and I guess like you mentioned bro like when you're having to play catch up you know like you, like you said like going into level four you know that uncertainty and I mean because like, I mean it, I mean everyone you know there was a huge amount of uncertainty for everyone not just footy players but then all of a sudden you know there's this big reshuffle to get a rugby competition back underway and then you're back into it and then yeah like you said like like in any sort of game or like in any form of life bro like if you're not quick to adapt and others are you know you can be put behind the eight ball and yeah like, like you said I'd as, as difficult as it was to watch you guys at times, you know, it wasn't like you guys were getting blown off the park. It was just, you know, those crucial moments where things didn't go your way. And unfortunately, like, when stuff is bad, you know, like, you do need a little bit of luck um, and you guys just didn't get the rub of the green um, in, in certain games that you that you probably should have won. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll park that, bro, because nobody likes to dwell on um, negative um, experiences. But you... you, you you just talked about how you became a father um, during lockdown. Now, it's probably not the easiest transition into parenthood, you know, having to sort of um, adhere to all of those restrictions. But for you now, um, even as a young dad, you know, you've got the responsibility of not only, you know, representing your family on the park, but then also making sure that you take care of all the stuff, you know, off the field to make sure that you can find that balance. So, for you, like, going into Super Rugby, you know, it's your first year last year, but then also having to pick up the parenthood stuff, you know, like, do you feel like now you've you've found that balance? And, like, even talk us through that transition, bro, because, I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of first-time parents, and, you know, they're just juggling, like, a job. And that's not to say that their job isn't important, but, you know, I know how grueling it is for you rugby boys because you guys get judged week in, week out. So did you struggle with that at all over the course of the year? Um, no, I'd, like personally, we enjoyed lockdown just because um, I was um, a stay-at-home dad for the first five weeks, and and I know um, in footy, if if we were still playing in the normal Super Rugby, um, I could have been you know in Argentina or I could have been in um, South Africa for two weeks or whatever. So um, the first five weeks, I I was just a full-time dad, and we really enjoyed. It. I really enjoyed it. Um, we only had ourselves just because of lockdown there was no one else in the house and you know no one was allowed to come in and come out so 
um, we just had ourselves to um, learn um, how to be parents and um, we as a family and um, we as partners me and my partner um, we just grew um, from strength to strength so yeah um, having kids during um, that season actually really helped me personally just because um, it kept me grounded and it made me um, understood that um, footy is just footy and it's not the be all and end all um, you know it's just a game of 80 minutes and once it's over you come home and um, life is actually uh, a lot different so yeah we were you know under scrutiny a lot by the media but um, I knew what what was real and I knew what was fake and um, I knew that the outside noise that we were dealing with um, was just outside noise and when I came home it was what really matters and there was family so um, it was humbling and it was it kept me grounded throughout the season and um, I made sure that me mentally um, I was mentally um, okay with dealing with the losses and dealing with the tough season just because um, I had a family to come home to and I had responsibilities as a father that outweighed um, an 80 minute performance um, if you know what I mean that's a great way to look at it. I guess you never really saw it that way. Well, I, I understood that, you know, family can be a, a great, I guess, um, vice for you guys with your little kids and your partner. You know, at the end of the day, they don't really care about rugby and how that's going because, like, if you're not well, then, you know, that's the bigger deal to issue. Um, that's the bigger issue to deal with. But then I guess, like, even for yourself, like, it's quite cool to hear that, you know, I know that, you know, for a lot of people who have stress at their work, you know, they very, they very much so struggle to park that at the door. But it seems like for you, it was like, well, now I love going home. And, you know, like, if anything, I look forward to that more so than your rugby. So, yeah, uh, it sounds like family really is, you know, an important thing to you. And sort of, you know, segueing off that, you know, you got the opportunity to represent your family um, as part of the inaugural um, Moana Pacifica game when they played the New Zealand Māori at the back end of last year. So how did you embrace that week and how did that team compare to all of the other rugby experiences you've been through so far? Yeah, it was a, it was a cool experience. Um, I was actually, I was playing Aussie Rules on a Sunday and I missed Tana's call and I, I had no idea that I was actually in contention for the team. I only found out that I was kind of in contention when they put a bloody um, Instagram post up and I was and I was in and I was like, oh, I didn't even know I was, I didn't even know how this team's getting made and then I missed a call from Tana and when he when I called him back, man, I was just like I was saying, I was I I just get so starstruck and he was just like, hey man, my name's um Tana Umang and I was blah blah and I was like, yeah bro, like he's act, he's like introducing himself, acting like I don't know. Yeah, I was like, yeah bro, yeah, and he was like speaking about the team and I was like, I just was like, yeah bro, yes, uh, yes sir, yes sir, and he was like, do you want to come in and he was explaining the week and explaining blah blah, blah and I I was just like, yes sir, yes sir, I didn't want to, I didn't want to say too much and I was like, oh gosh. Um, when we actually brought together, like, I I didn't know too much about the team, and I didn't know like as in I didn't know how much how big it was. Like, I just thought we were gonna get together and just play, you know, have a bit of fun and then play footy at the at the back end of the week. But it was so special, bro. Right? Like, a, like to represent all the nations that we represented was was huge, and there was a lot of um, backing from the Pacific Islands, and um, there were a lot of people that um, really idolized us and idolized um, our team and to represent our families um, in that sort of way um, was awesome just because everyone represents their family um, when they play for their franchise but to actually have a Pacific Island team that we can um, really you know showcase stuff and, and represent 
our nation and our family and our bloodline um, was awesome and, and I didn't really know um, I wasn't thinking about it too much like that before coming into it but um, they you know made sure that we understood why we were here um, they made us understand that um, this week is you know we, we the footy is um, is just the start of something huge and they they were trying to do it a long time ago apparently like Brian Williams was trying to do it back in his day and Michael Jones was trying to do it back in their day and they said so they said that this has been a long time coming and the opportunity to play our style of rugby was um, was awesome especially against a great Maori side and um, yeah I think it was a good week and it was a good game and I was man I was I was hoping and a lot of people were hoping that we were going to play like a um, like a three match series or something just because of how um, entertaining the first game was. Well, yeah, like I guess going forward, it'll be interesting to see how the NZIU uh, handles it. And yeah, maybe we could make it our equivalent to State of Origin, bro. Who knows? But like you said, it wasn't an, it was a definitely like a um, an entertaining game of footy. And it's, it's just different when cultures are involved, bro. Like take nothing away from, you know, like a North-South game or whatever, because that was quite enjoyable as well. But there's just, I feel like the players, you know, that, they're not just turning out to play footy because, you know, there's this expectation that, you know, you go out there and you represent your family, especially when you have, you know, the, the different cultures on your jersey and you're playing against another culture in the Māori. So, yeah, like, I, I'm going to be very intrigued um, as to see, like, where we take it because I think there's a lot of potential there, um, you know, and then especially even from the backing, bro, like, you, you look at the, um, you look at even, like, the league space and how much the Tong community and the Samoan community get in yeah. behind their team. So, especially here in New Zealand, like, I'm sure that we won't be short of fans wherever the game gets staged. But, yeah, I, I think that pretty much wraps up all that I've wanted to get from a rugby perspective from from your short career so far bro but I do like to wrap up my interviews with um, two different segments um, the last one being a funny one but before we get to that like could you run me through like a typical game day for, for Naitoa Akoi and do you have any sort of superstitions like before you take the field and stuff like that like or do you have a meal that you have to eat on a Friday night before a Saturday game um no oh gosh I'm pretty pretty relaxed. I I remember reading um about an NFL guy and he said that his routine is no routine, um and he has it he makes sure it's a no routine just so if he has a routine he sticks by it and he gets to a, a game place and or a game sorry and his um routine is out of whack that he he can't you know it doesn't phase his game so um I keep it real chill um wake up in the morning whenever um hang out with family. Um, a lot of the time when I'm playing, my my parents will come up, so my parents will be up um, from Wellington to come and hang out. So they'll come. I'll just connect with them, and I'll eat uh, my regular meals. But it's nothing special. It's nothing. Um, no regiment um, towards it, so it can change. But I guess the main thing that I'm doing is relaxing. Eh? Like I won't think about a game till we get to the park. So. Um, I'm always in a good mood I always make sure I'm in a good mood and if there's something in the house or something going on in the house then I'll just say oh like I just won't deal with it just because I, I just want to be a happy guy and um, yeah like I'm really re- yeah it's quite funny because yeah oh, yeah but um yeah really relaxed um but I think the the one thing that I do have is just my mindset when I'm at the field like I I've said this a few times but I've got like a few different mindsets that I have and it's always dependent on 
how I'm feeling or the music I'm listening to. So, like, if I'm listening to, it's quite cricket, if I'm listening to, like, um, rock music, then I'll envision myself as, like, a, um, a rock star or you know, <laughs> a rock star when, when a rock star's performing, this is quite cricket. Like, the whole crowd is looking at him or, or, you know, or them, and they're just untouchable at that point in time. And um, Before games, if I'm listening to rock music, that's my mindset. So I'm a rock star, so I'll just be, like, be like on the air guitar, out, just like cracking up, having a good time. Um, yeah, so that it's either that or if I'm listening to like rap music or um, I actually listen to um, Lord of the Rings. You know, have you watched Lord of the Rings? Bro, I, I think I'm the only Kiwi that like hasn't actually properly sat down and watched Lord of the Rings. But yeah, but keep going, bro. Keep oh. going. <laughs> bro, yeah. So in the Lord of the Rings, there's a scene where the orcs come out of Mordor. <laughs> bro. So they come out of Mordor, you right? And they, there's this like, there's this um, musical that plays. It's real dark music, but it's like I don't. You have to. It's on. It's actually on um, Spotify. It's called The Voice of Saruman. <laughs> listen to that bro and it, it makes me go into a real like a dark angry place or it makes you feel like I'm an orc going into battle <laughs> this is, this is, like I'm a soldier bro <laughs> is, I don't know if, it, if this is your funny segment or not bro, but, but yeah so yeah I have those two bro those are my two mindsets so those are the things that I, I have um, one is yeah, the rock star where I'm just untouchable no one can touch me I'm like Everyone came to watch me. Such a like a self-centered, cocky, um, confident mindset. And the other one is like I'm just someone who's ready to go battle, and and I'll go to the dark places forever. Um, I had another one, but like, gosh, I can't remember it. Oh, the other one is just like I'll just listen to happy music, and I'll just be joking around, and I'll just be in in like a I'm just like a in I don't know in like a degaff mode or like like no one can touch me sort of mindset. So like I'm just sitting there like. If you like, oh, I don't actually know. I don't know. That, that one's kind of unexplainable, but okay, those are my two mindsets. One is I'm either an orc from Lord of the Rings, the other one is I'm fucking the lead singer of ACDCs. <laughs> Again, very light. <laughs> That's the awesome thing, man. Like I would have never expected to hear that, but I'm very thankful that you've um that you've gone about telling me, bro. Like honestly, that that. This is, for me, being a rugby geek, you know, like, it's so cool to hear about guys and their different quirks and, like, what makes them the player that they are. But um, we'll kick on with the last, bro. Like, we'll get into my funny segment and, uh, and hopefully we can um, follow it up <laughs> with something um, just as entertaining, bro. But, yeah, I, I call the segment 10 in the bin and I've just got 10 questions, man. And, like, like you have done the whole interview, if you can answer them as honestly as possible, it would be much appreciated. Awesome, bro. Right, number one, what's your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks? Like, am I on a bend? Like, is this day one? Yeah, 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 we'll go day one, bro. Yeah, day one on a bend. <laughs> um, just cruises, bro. For real, just jot lolly drinks. <laughs> I like your style. Uh, biggest coach's pet you've been around? <laughs> oh, bro. Um, there's been a few, to be honest. Oh, probably myself. Oh, actually, no, I wouldn't say myself. Um, no, shakers. I don't know. Our Barnsley, our um, our Chiefs coach has got a few sons in the team. <laughs> I won't name names, bro. I'll keep that silent, bro. I'll keep that silent. Fair enough, bro. You don't want to burn any bridges. Um, what's your muster on a day off? 
oh fuck it's changed now bro like when I had no kids there was a lot of different things but now I've got kids bro there's no must do's there's have to's <laughs> you have to change nappies so you must change nappies bro so it's changed a little bit for me bro I like it uh, least favourite fitness block oh frick broken broncos mm, yeah they're pretty ugly uh, favourite cheat meal K-Fry what's your order um, six wicked wings oh they can't do six anymore eight wicked wings um, zinger burger those like those buns those warm buns that they have <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get a few of those bro large chips um, a crusher and a drink holy that is one holy hecker of a... <laughs> and, a, and a snack burger bro snack burger is so underrated cheapest burger in there but they bloody go good bro well, that's a cheap meal and a half uh, most regretful baller purchase so what I mean by that is what have you gone out and splashed a whole lot of money on and then just regretted buying it Oh, oh I didn't oh, bro, I don't know I didn't oh gosh nah I wouldn't have a clue bro I'd spend too much money on big things oh if you you'd have to ask my missus bro because I've done probably done a few that I can't remember of <laughs> I buy things and they just lose them probably like a GoPro that I bought like a few years ago that I haven't actually used I don't actually I can't even I don't know where it's gone to be honest I haven't used it <laughs> GoPro it is uh, Guilty music pleasure Oh Probably Probably the voice of Saruman bro I don't think anyone's <laughs> ever um, Got on Spotify And searched up the Lord of the Rings soundtrack So I'd say that bro To be honest Fair enough uh, What's your go to dance move? Oh I can't tell you bro When it comes to dancing Especially if I'm on the piss then, um, It's like I'll just close my eyes And whatever comes comes So I don't actually know what it is, but it's it's just from the soul, so <coughs> yeah, I've no idea. Well, it's obviously done with great intent. Um, biggest grub you've played with and against? Um, Charlie Gubb. Do you know Charlie Gubb from the Warriors? Yep, yep, yep. He's playing for Marist these days, isn't he? For Marist, yep. He's f- ugly, bro. They call him Charlie Grubb. <laughs> my nick, my actually, my new nickname in the Chiefs is called Hoo Hoo, just because of how the reputation that Marist and Pats has. It's like come up here bro so they call they call me hoo hoo as in hoo hoo grub because of guys like charlie grub so <laughs> alright shout out to charlie um, last question bro you just gotta finish off the sentence for me Saturdays are for the boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro the lads bro that's cool man. well it is in a way bro you know most Saturdays are taking the field with them so yeah I can't correct you there man um Honestly, bro, like this this wraps everything up. Um, this has been uh, a lot different to what I expected, but like I've mentioned numerous times so far, this is what I enjoy about it, and it's been really, really refreshing to hear from a guy who's had a dream, put all his eggs in one basket, hasn't been afraid to voice how confident he is in his abilities, but at the same time, you know, not rested on his laurels, actually gone out and done the work and had everything come to fruition. Um, and I remember like reading a story, um, I think it was on RNZ, and you talked about how you were literally like living your dream with not only being a dad, or with not only being a professional footy player, but with also being a dad now, bro. So like, I know you're a couple of years younger than me, man. Um, and I don't know if envy is the right word, but it is very, very cool to see someone like yourself who puts himself out there, but at the same time, like I said, works hard and is just enjoying the moment, bro. Like, I don't know if that means a lot coming from some Muppet on, on a microphone, bro, but 
yeah, best of luck for this Friday, my man. Um, fingers crossed you guys can end that losing streak. And yeah, really, really grateful for the opportunity to interview you. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for your time, bro. All right, man. I'll catch you later. Take care, bro. Cheers.